listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. You're listening to Payne.tv slash gold, and this is the Dustin Gold Standard. Ladies and gentlemen, over the break, I was just thinking for a moment. I'm going to launch a website where you guys can upload your social security numbers your bank account numbers, routing numbers, logins, and passwords to me. But in the end, trust me, folks, you're going to own your own data. You will own that data that you give to me. And don't worry, I will protect it. I mean, come on. That's what they're saying to you. All right, let's continue and see what they actually say about this. All their data. Um, so at any, any sort of combination of events, the user should have the ability to delete, to understand, and to have controls over how their data is used. The user should understand that having data aggregated means they can have a much more relevant service. I mean, the exchange of you can have ads that are relevant to you or ones that are, are generally irrelevant to you is an exchange that comes along with basically agreeing to have data collected in a privacy-safe um, and aggregated way. Okay, see, so now he's saying, this is the guy from Facebook, and he's saying, listen, users need to understand that the more data you give us, then we can serve you better ads. So if you have a dog uh, that you really take care of and you like to buy your dog special food and special treats, you know, they can run those kind of ads to you instead of ads for you know, baby diapers if you don't have a baby. But to make that happen, folks, to make us serve you with more appropriate ads so you can buy more junk from us, then we're going to need to take more of your data. But don't worry, you eventually will have control over deleting it. Oh, it's all privacy safe. Nobody could get it. Well, they're getting it. The advertisers have access to it. You're uploading it into their system. Of course they have it, folks. Of course they have it. That's that's what powers, they call this big data, the data that they're collecting on you. Let's say, just put it into context, like, let's say on each of us, they have a file, like an old police file, uh, a file that would be sitting on a judge's desk, okay? And it's a big file folder. Uh, I'm trying to put up my hands, but I'm in a small box. And that is, um, and that is, uh, you know, seven inches thick of data on you, of pages on you, a profile on you. Well, they have one of those on each and every one of us. And then when you stack those up and you put them inside of a server, then they have big data, all this data. And then they utilize algorithms, really programs, formulas to go through that data that then serves us this experience so on your phone you're supposed to get more relevant searches on google or on safari um, depending on which phone you use because of the data that it's all personalized so eventually what happens is your data is literally creating sort of a choose your own adventure echo chamber for yourself and that's what they're talking about access to all of this data to better serve you with a better more personalized experience better more personalized advertisements and such so they have control of the data but they're saying that it belongs to you and you should be able to delete it if you want to so but we all and i'm here in europe with all of you now and we all just click on the accept 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 the cookie yeah. 
And, and, and even though we, well, now we, have more, we now have more control, we ostensibly have more control, but in some ways we have less control because it's, it's very too complicated. It's too complicated to actually control. So is there a way to change that dynamic? Okay, so let me just tell you, when I was in Poland, I saw that happen. Every website you went to, you're starting to see it more here in the U.S. It asks you if you're going to accept the cookies. When you're in Europe, you literally have to uh, accept a message overall about cookies when you're searching on Google. So literally every time you access the Internet, you have to do that. Now, part of that, in my opinion, um, because I've read a lot about this, is eventually what's going to happen. And this ties into Elon Musk and wanting to prove that people are real humans in the whole, you know, bot battle fight that he was in. And then uh, one of his investors, uh, Alex uh, Alexander Tomas, was involved with this. What they're going to end up telling you is to get around that and not have to click those annoying buttons all the time, again, selling you convenience, is that you are going to provide basically biometric data and or you're going to have a digital ID or a one-world ID similar to Bill Gates' ID 2020 project so that you are constantly being monitored. And so when you go on the internet, instead of being tracked through an IP address, everything will be tracked through your digital ID or your digital biometric. So that's part of what I believe they're doing. They're in the, you know, sort of problem reaction solution scenario, create the problem of identity theft and privacy, provoke the reaction. What are you going to do about it? Create the solution. Oh, here's the accept cookies button. Then again, oh, the accept cookies button is annoying. That becomes the problem. The reaction is let's get rid of it. How do we get rid of it? And then the solution is, well, give us your biometrics and take your digital ID and we can get rid of that for you so it's not annoying. So it's this constant problem reaction solution loop that they have us in. In the metaverse. I do think what you're saying is that we have the opportunity now to reinvent some of what we've learned from the previous right. iterations of the internet. Um, so, you know, we're focused on enterprise and one of our, the earliest use cases is healthcare. So things like pre-surgical planning, rather than looking at a 2D screen and seeing the brain there, you can put the brain in the middle of the room and, and plan the surgical pathways. Um, certainly we don't want any advertising in, in there when they actually then take that into the operating room. Um, the world's most terrible ad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something pops up there. Um, but I, I think that we have the opportunity to reinvent and we should explore all those things now uh, right. it, because of what we've learned in the past from you know the, right. the trajectories we've taken to date. So, so that is... Right, so she was just talking about a medical application for her product, similar to uh, Iron Man, if you ever watched that movie, when he just uses his hands to, uh, I don't know, lift up a model of the city and he can spin it around in real time. She's talking about using that same technology in operating rooms. So you'll be laying in the operating bed if you dare go to the hospital and your doctor will be doing a heart surgery on you. God forbid, I hope that doesn't happen to any of you. And then he will zoom up your heart into the air as a giant hologram and spin it around and start figuring out how the surgery will take place. Oh, yes. I cannot wait for this world. The thing, when you go to university, you have this orientation class. You get oriented into what is expected for, uh, from your university and, and what you should do. You get that at work. You get that in life in general. You don't get that when you use the internet. So most people are ignorant to what the trade-off is. And that's why we have these problems of 
I did not know that I'm giving this much information and this is how it's going to be used against me to uh, monetize, right? There needs to be a way for us to orient people. Uh, okay, let me pause there for a minute. Not just to monetize. Okay, don't ever fall into the trap of believing that all the data they're collecting is just to monetize. All right, that's not just to monetize. Yes, people even at the level of these people who are sitting on the panel get paid, okay, money. So they operate on the greed of the food coupons. So they're out there building this, pitching this stuff because they are getting paid to do it. But it's not just about money because as you've seen, the people behind these companies heavily connected to the CIA and other government agencies. It's not just about money. This is about power and this is about control. And for some at the level of Yuval Noah Harari, the king philosopher of the World Economic Forum, right-hand man to Klaus Schwab, and those type of people who actually believe, you know, Peter Thiel, I believe Elon Musk and others, who actually believe they're going to transcend to this God status because they control all the data on everyone. As this gentleman just said, will the data be used against you? And then he switched what he was saying and said used against you for like ad monetization. But no, it's also used against you because this data is all part of what is going to program your personalized lifestyle. It will decide when your smart city apartment door unlocks, when you're allowed to start up your EV car, when you're allowed to use your tokens to buy groceries, or whether you're going to have to be forced to use a 3D meat printer. So... The data is about control. That's why Yuval Noah Harari and these others have said that data is this new gold and those who control the data will be the gods of the new era. It's not talking about people who run video games within the metaverse because if 90% of people just don't play video games in the metaverse, then the data doesn't matter to 90% of us who don't play video games, right? Well, no, it's bigger than that. They're going to be collecting the data at all times, and that's going to be used against you to control you and so that they can have power over you. Believe me on that. On what it means first to go to the digital world, not even the metaverse, what it means to use the internet. And this should be something that is in basic education in every single school in the world. Because you need to understand that, okay, you can manage your cookies. You can remove certain things that you don't get targeted. There are ways for you to actually pay and get that service if there is, if that becomes a business model. And then it becomes the person's choice. If the person says, I actually like it the way that it is right now, I go for it for free, and they can monetize everything from me, then it's a personal choice. Today, people do not have the right for information. They do not understand what is happening and how they're playing a role. They don't have, in, in many countries, maybe in Europe they do, but uh, and probably in the UAE, the right of access, to access their data and to understand what is being collected and the right to be forgotten, these rights uh, in that way. This needs to happen today for the digital world first and then get implemented into the metaverse. Right. Because I completely agree with the points being made. Certain business models made sense for the internet and social media. For the metaverse, we need to actually take them to the next level. Okay, so he's talking about the rights that some of them have in the UAE, United Arab Emirates, or in the EU to look at all the data that's being collected on them and then the right to be forgotten, like it clears the data that's collected on you. I've done some research into this. I don't actually believe it. 
Um, I, I may break it down in the future for you uh, on the research and investigation I've done on it. At this point, it, it doesn't fit into what we're doing, but we will eventually touch on it because to me, it is understanding the data that's collected on you, but one of the ways you can avoid this yourself is to just not participate in it. And so a lot of the things that you do that, let's say, don't directly have to do with you being able to make a living uh, right now, being able to make money and earn food coupons to put food on the table for you and your family and your children. Don't take part in it. That's one way that you can exempt yourself and opt out of the system by just saying no. That's what I keep presenting to you. If you say no, do I really need the Fitbit? Do I really need the iWatch? Do I really need those, you know, headphones that go up into the cloud and do all these crazy things? Do I really need the VR goggles? Do I really need to play Horizon Worlds? Do I really need to be on these streaming platforms? And if the answer is no, then you could eliminate all of that potential data being collected on you by just saying no and opting out of their digital prison. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard. I'm going to opt out of this prison right now for a short break. You're listening to pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back from your digital prison. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on Pain.tv slash gold. Ladies and gentlemen. All right, so we are in the middle of this World Economic Forum panel discussion on the metaverse, and they are talking about privacy consumer privacy rights ladies and gentlemen when you go into prison and they stick you in a little two-man cell in a pod with say 12 cells they spy on you through the intercom system inside of your cell and so they're always collecting data on you they have a guard who's up behind a one-way mirror and they're watching you and they're always collecting data on you and so that is what it is like when you are entering not just the metaverse but you're entering the internet and now when you're actually entering the real world because if you go walk down the street right now Almost every other home in America has an Amazon Ring doorbell or Amazon Ring camera system or the equivalent coming from Google, Facebook, other of these tech companies. And so they are tracking and monitoring and collecting data on us all of the time. And for them to even say, well, you're going to own that data. Oh, really? So every night I'm going to go home. I'm going to open up an app. And I'm going to see the 627,000 times you scanned my face throughout the day. When I drove around, uh, you were scanning my card, my license plate. When I walked down the street, the doorbells were scanning my face. All the data collected on me. I'm going to own that data, and I could just go in there and opt out of being... uh, watched and spied on and surveilled and uh, oh oh that one's fine when my neighbor picked up my face but hold on oh what's this one at the grocery store a camera caught me 
itching my crotch. Okay, no, delete that one. Right. Like you're going to have time every day at the end of the night to go through all the times in the real world, the natural world in which you were surveilled and data was collected on you. And then you're going to go through another set of everything that was collected on you while you were on your phone or you were browsing the internet or playing a game or, you know, using your store bonus cards. And then you're going to go through one on the metaverse. Oh, I was in the metaverse. Oh, they collected all this data on me. Let me clear that out. See, what they're even talking about is such a lie because it's frankly impossible. I would love to know if there's an expert out there on this, how many data points are collected on the average American? And maybe we'd break that down by if you live in a city, live in the suburbs, or live in a rural area. How many data points are you adding to your digital footprint every day? And that will tell you the data that they are collecting And then you'll realize, even if they wanted, even if the prison wardens wanted to let you opt out of having data collected on you, or opt out of being surveilled, or be able to clear the cache, you know, delete these files, these data packets that get stored in your, you know, uh, police jacket, your police file, you know, it, it would frankly be impossible. So these guys are just talking out of their rear ends at this point, but let's continue. Can I ask you all a question? Um, I think one of the great opportunities for the metaverse potentially uh, could be around issues around education and ultimately could solve issues of inequality. But I was talking to a fellow last night uh, who made a very compelling uh, argument to me. I don't think I personally agreed with it, but I was fascinated by it. Uh, And he said, look, there's going to be people um, of means who are going to travel and then there's going to be people maybe who are of lesser means who might actually be able to use an, an Oculus or uh, a Magic Leap or some other kind of device uh, to travel to the same place but from their own, their own couch. But in many ways, it's actually going to create even more distance. Between- okay, this is actually a good question. Let's see how they answer this. Between those, the, 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 those two people that, that psychologically, and I think that We've experienced this through social media. In many ways, it's brought people closer in certain ways, but actually created this remarkable divide because there's, it's even more visible, actually, the divide in certain ways. And how you all think about that? Well, I mean, I can see- I know that's a little deep, but- <laughs> no, Well, they're like, ah, we're transhumanists. We're not even human. Uh, how could we answer that? I mean, it's okay. I think it's one of the central kinds of questions we need to be asking. We need to be studying and we need to be understanding. I mean, at the core, I think good technologies help us feel closer. And the key... Good technologies help us feel closer. But do they really make humans closer? Or do they really make humans further apart? That's a good question. Do you feel closer to your aunt because you can chat with her on Facebook Messenger And therefore, in 10 years, 20 years, your life, you've never actually now made the conscious decision to save up a few dollars to travel, to go see your aunt in person, to give her a hug, a kiss on the cheek, spend a couple of days with her, talk to her, look at old photo albums from the family, because you just Zoomed with her one night. 
I mean, is it driving humans further apart or is it actually bringing humans together? That's an interesting question. I don't really know the answer. I think each of you have to ask that question, you know, to yourselves because we're all going to have different answers on that. There is no right answer. The, the premise of the smartphone, the premise of the Internet, at some level, at its, at its absolute most sort of primitive level, is a, is a democratizing force. It provides tools. It provides power for people. It especially provides tools for connection for people who cannot travel. Uh, and we've seen some of the most powerful examples of how the Internet has changed healthcare, has offered access to uh, a cataract exam, has offered access to a bank account, uh, has offered access to um, education on almost any issue, is, is just a really powerful idea, and I think it needs to be one we don't lose sight of. Yeah. Uh, I, I think... No, no, no. When, when he talks about access to the bank account, I would disagree with that. Uh, you could go to the bank if you lived in an area that did not have a bank. You didn't need one because <laughs> you kept your cash and the government left you alone. But uh, no, I mean, those things that he brings up, access to education. Well, there's education that you could have sought out on your own. Uh, the, the way that I look at the internet as someone who's 41 and was the last generation to grow up without the internet in my pocket, uh, iPhones didn't come out until I believe I was in my 20s. And so I had, uh, my first phone was a flip phone I bought when I went to college so that I could call my parents if I needed anything. And so, in my opinion... Uh, he says technology, phones, and this are a democratizing force. I would say it's actually worked opposite. There are less people that are paying attention to what is going on at a local level, less involved with their local governments, less involved with their communities, don't even know their neighbors. Uh, I know so many people, friends of ours, that don't even know their neighbors, don't even know their neighbors' first names. And so when I grew up as a kid, I lived on a cul-de-sac, and we had a block party. The old folks in the neighborhood would throw block parties a couple times a summer. And everyone knew each other. There was about 30 houses on my street. I knew every single person that lived on my street. And if there was an emergency because we didn't have cell phones, and maybe my dad hadn't come home from a job, or my mom got stuck at work, and uh, I couldn't get in the house because I forgot my key or something like that. Yes, I was a latchkey kid. Um, I could go knock on anyone's door on my street, and they would let me come in and hang out with them. They would make me food. They'd let me play with their dog. I could sit there and do my homework. And so I think the Internet, these false relationships, fake relationships we have with people on social media, who, yes, you may build up a friendship over the phone with them and such. Yes, that is true. But instead of being focused on our neighbors, on our neighborhood, on our town, on our county, on our state, we become focused, a lot of people have, on solving the world's problems. You just saw Russia, Ukraine kicks off, and before you know it, everybody has a Ukraine flag next to their face, you know, as an emoji on their Facebook profile picture, their Twitter avatar and such. And so then all of a sudden, everyone becomes this fighter for freedom in Ukraine, Russia. And nobody actually knows what's going on in uh, Ukraine or with Russia. 
that doesn't live there, and even the people that live there don't really know what's going on. Think of all the people around you right here in the country that you wish were listening to the Thomas Paine podcast or listening to the Dustin Gold Standard because you feel like they don't actually know what's going on here, yet they live right here in this country. And so that's what I think it's done. It's actually driven people towards this false sense that they could solve the world's problems through a tweet. They could uh, voice their grievances through a Facebook rant. They could change the outcomes of situations through an emoji or a meme. And so we've lost that human connection. And your life, your world would be a lot better if you were actively involved with your neighbors, your neighborhood, your community, your uh, uh, town and your county, because you'd be active in the governments and you would be taking part in building a better community and being able to fight off the powers of the state, fight off the powers of the federal government because you were organized. But now when you go to even a local political meeting, a Republican committee meeting or Democrat committee meeting or independent party, whatever it is, it doesn't really matter. You go there and they end up spending uh, 95% of the time talking about Donald Trump or Joe Biden instead of talking about what is actually going on locally, where the majority of the problems come from. And if the local governments, your local community were organized, you wouldn't have to be on the internet. I frankly wouldn't have to be here, you know, t- talking to all of you guys you know they've created this global system in which now people like myself people like mike people like maria albanese vm legal man feel like we have to talk to this bigger audience because we're all sharing similar problems now and that's because we're all run from the starship we're all controlled by the uh committees out of washington dc or these international bodies like the world economic forum and so now we're stuck and pushed into a situation where we have to try to talk to the whole country to the whole world so i would argue that the internet social media all of this stuff, mass communication, is actually uh, was actually bad for humanity. I would argue that if I could snap my fingers today and we went back to the 1980s and all of this stuff disappeared, all this technology, all of this mass communication was gone, I think the world was a better place, to be honest with you. Okay, let's continue. Um, it is true at first, but with economies of scale, while you scale up the actual product or the platform, with time, more and more people actually come on board. So ultimately, I don't think it's going to be a problem. Maybe in the beginning, the initial stages it will. But there are a, a few uh, very high, potentially positive impacts of this. The first is, uh, there's a statistic of, uh, you know, 70% of what you read, you forget within the first two minutes, right? It's because you don't actually experience that content. It's flat, you're reading it. Some people have better recall or better memory. Most people forget it. It's the same with video. If you can actually experience what you're learning, it sticks for much longer. And I think the same way that the internet unleashed a revolution of really improving human intelligence, democratizing knowledge, and today you have people building nuclear reactors in their backyards and they're 16 years old, uh, in some cases, it's because the internet- Less sure about that one. No, <laughs> no it's true. So, so it is true. No, it Less is sure true. that's a good thing is what I was saying. No, uh, uh, well, it just shows you the level of intelligence that people I have today. Completely. Like a 16-year-old kid has the level of intelligence of what a PhD in the 60s would take 20 years to study and achieve. So these things are positive. And I think that this will actually lead to a better future. 
there is also a lot more understanding that can be incorporated into the metaverse. There are people who have never traveled in their lives, in the US, in China, and India, and many countries. And they have never experienced seeing an Arab country, an African country, seeing an Asian. And to some level, there's ignorance there. I think in the metaverse, you can actually go and live in their houses, like in the metaverse, and see yeah. their cultures and be a lot more understanding. So these are the positives. Okay, so what he's saying is that in the metaverse, everyone will be Anthony Bourdain. You will travel to Africa and spend time in a mud hut or whatever, and that will make you more educated and a better person. But as I just said before, if we lived, if, if we shrunk down the world, if you shrunk your footprint and you were focused on the things that actually matter, on your family, your household, your neighbors, your neighborhood, your community, your town, your county, the world would be a better place. See, I don't really have to know, nor would I have to know about Africa or about a European country if the world was not interconnected under this global government, under this global prison planet, all connected via the internet. We wouldn't need to know about what goes on halfway around the world because your world is your community and your community would be a stronger, safer place because everyone in your community would be working together to make that community a stronger, safer place. But see, the whole idea was to create a global government and then waste your time, distract you with all of these problems. Everything is already like an augmented reality headset. Everywhere you turn, they have little intelligent data packets popping up, as they say. Problem in Ukraine, problem in Russia, problem in North Korea, problem in Japan, problem in Germany, problem Problem over here, problem over there, problem in California, problem in Connecticut, problem in D.C., problem over here, wildfire, war earthquake, waterfall overflow. It's, you see, it's everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. Now, if I'm in the state of Maryland and Texas has a deep freeze that shuts down their windmills, how is that my problem? Why should I be concerned? Why should I have to spend my time worrying about the people in Texas? And then the people in Texas, all of them aren't affected by the problem, but me not being there doesn't even know about which parts of texas are affected but yet now it's my global duty and responsibility because the technocrats say to say so to know and feel feel compassion for these people that are affected in these areas and when something happens to me here in maryland what if they close my road for construction and i have to drive an extra half mile around the traffic circle to get back home that's supposed to be a story that some guy in nigeria is supposed to be concerned about and they go listen guy in nigeria you're not concerned about dustin over there in frederick maryland and the fact that his road was closed and he had to drive out of the way to get back home see they create this interconnected global world and then tell you that you need to know everything that's going on folks that's what the metaverse is going to be they want you to immerse yourself 
into this space where they tell you you're just going to constantly learn you're going to constantly expand your mind when are you ever going to focus on your family when are you ever going to focus on just you when are you going to focus on how you want to live your life how you want to retire they are just bombarding you bombarding you bombarding you with endless useless information and they're going to force you into this endless fake synthetic world they call the metaverse and tell you that it's your responsibility to understand everything that's going on in there expand your mind jump into the metaverse forever let's go back in time and march with martin luther king let's go back in time and run around with Genghis khan no folks they're building a prison planet and they're attempting to distract you and me with useless 4d universal studio rides that's what it is folks it's a ride they want to put your mind into the ride they're going to send you into the matrix so they can hijack and steal the natural world around us. God forbid you own a piece of land with two, three acres and have your own gardens, grow your own vegetables, and you want to just live a simple life, a hard life, a tough life, because it's tough work to do that, but a simple life where right inside those three acres, that fence you have around your property, that's your world. Your spouse is your responsibility. Your child is your responsibility. Your grandchildren are your responsibility. That's what you're supposed to take care of, but they want to force you into some digital prison cell and they want to take that piece of land away from you and tell you that if you want to contribute to society you have to live in a 400 square foot pod cell smart city apartment strap on a vr headset and go visit some mud hut down in ecuador or you are not a compassionate human being these are the transhumanists who want to end humanity who want to engineer us out of existence that's who is telling you this that's who these people are i mean come on folks you can hear it coming right out of their mouths they believe they're above you they believe they own you and they believe that it's going to be easy to load us into the cattle car and drive us right in to the auschwitz metaverse well i'm not having any of it ladies and gentlemen because i will just say no okay we will be back tomorrow this was a short show today but i have to go to birthing class with my wife ladies and gentlemen i'll see you tomorrow we'll finish up this video and we we will start jumping into Joe Biden's executive order having to do with biotech and genetic modification. Oh, yay. Sounds like a whole lot of fun. Listen, folks, join us over at pain.tv slash gold. This is Dustin Gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at Ping.tv slash gold.